thank you for sharing in worship with us today. <clears throat> so, uh, this summer we're in a series called You Asked For It, and um, it, it was just amazing. And what, for some of our visitors, what that is, is uh, in about um, April, May, we send out a questionnaire to the church and we ask them, what are some sermon topics you like the pastor to really focus on? And in this summer, we spent a lot of you wanting to talk about end times. Now, as I, I've shared with you, and please don't take this wrong, I don't like preaching about that. And the reason is, is because there's so many different ideas and thoughts that go into this. And even in this church right now, we have numbers of people who have different ideas and viewpoints when it comes to the end times. And this particular subject that we're going to talk about today is one of them. Because someone asked the question, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation rapture, give us the scripture for all of them. And so if you look at the back of your, of your notes, you'll notice that I have a little uh, diagram that kind of, kind of explains what those are. And then I only gave two scripture passages for each one of them. And the reason why I did that is because I didn't want to overload you with, um, with the different viewpoints or different scriptures. Because I'll, in my opinion, notice what I'm saying, in my opinion, uh, there is scripture that supports one view more than another. Okay? And so I kind of wanted to just kind of give you the basics and all of it. So what, what the rapture is, is when Jesus comes back and takes his church out of this world. And there's four viewpoints when it comes to this. The first one is a pre-tribulation rapture. Tribulation is when the Antichrist comes and the world kind of explodes and the, the world's in peril and everything else. Pre-tribulation believes that Jesus is going to come back before the tribulation period and take his church home. Now that's a primarily a United States, a Western church viewpoint. Mid-tribulation rapture says that there will be three years of some tribulation, then the church will be taken out, and then it's really going to get bad. The post-tribulation rapture holds to the viewpoint that the church will go through the tribulation, and then Jesus will come back after the seven years. Now, I would almost guarantee that there's somebody in this church that holds to at least one of those viewpoints. And I would also say that probably the majority of this church holds to the pre-tribulation rapture. Now, if you're a post-tribulation raptors, or a mid-tribulation raptors, or pre-tribulation raptors, I am not in any way questioning your, your spirituality and your commitment to Jesus Christ. This is just one of those things that, in my opinion, it's nice to discuss. But your relationship with Christ and your uh, spirituality is not dependent upon how you view those things. Now, I am a, the fourth one, a pan trip. It means it'll all pan out in the end. Okay? Now, if you want to know which one I hold to out of the three, I'm a post-tribulation rapture. 
And I, I hold to that based upon uh, Matthew chapter 24 and what Jesus said. My college theology professor, Dr. Wes Gary, which I know some of you know who he is, he held to that as well. I know of a few mid-tribulation raptures, but I can't, I, I don't know if there's anyone here that way. Most of you hold to the pre-tribulation rapture based upon Revelation chapter 3, and uh, my wife is that way. My mother-in-law was a pre-tribulation rapture. When she found out I was a post-tribulation rapture, she kept sending me all these articles through the mail. Come on, come on, I'm going to convert you yet. You know, that's what he was gonna, she was going to do. The key to this whole thing is this. Jesus is coming back, and you better be ready. Because you don't know, you don't know when he's coming back. Because one of two things is going to happen. Most likely it's the first one. With almost everyone here. You're going to go to Jesus. Now Jesus could come back, which means he's going to come to us. But I, I really feel, because I think the world's got to get a lot worse yet, that most of us are going to, are going to go to Jesus. And we just need to be ready. Because you don't know what the time or the hour that's going to come either. Trust me, I was an EMT and a fireman for 27 years. There were a lot of people who did not know when they were going to see Jesus. And, and I can tell you story after story of people who, who, who sat in their chair and fell asleep. And then they were in the presence of Jesus. I, I've been on those runs many a times. Or those accidents. The, the, the one I think of now is I just got my EMT license and and uh, and I was wearing my pager and I left it on open because I wanted to hear what all the runs are. You know what those new firemen are? They always have that pager open. They're listening to absolutely everything. And West Unity Fire Department went out to the turnpike to the Kunkel Maintenance Farm, so you know where I was up at. And for a 45-year-old man who was a diabetic that they were now doing CPR on. And I go, that's Jim Brown. He goes to my church. And I hopped in the car and I went to Montpelier Hospital and I actually beat the ambulance there because I knew that they were going to go. And here he was a diabetic and he hopped in his uh, in, the, in an earth grader for the turnpike and he died instantly. Godly man. But he had no warning that, that was coming. Now most of us will have warning that the time of our death is coming, but some of us won't. So we, we look towards the second coming of Jesus, and, and we're, it fascinates the church, and it has through for two millennia the, the second coming of Jesus. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is we look forward to seeing the one that we serve. I mean, how many of you are looking forward to seeing Jesus? I mean, you, you want to see him. And, I, I remember, we're getting close to our 37th wedding anniversary, Polly and I, and, and, and I remember being at uh, Lakeview United Brethren Church, and I walked up the aisle with my father-in-law, and all I wanted to do was to see Polly in her dress. And she didn't know it, but I kind of looked through a window and I saw her before we got married. <laughs> Just wanted to see her. And, and I think if you really love Jesus... I think there's that yearning that's there. Oh, I just want to see Jesus. The, the second one is, we yearn to see evil gone. 
I, I, I shake my head all the time when I'm going, what is going on? It's just evil that's come into the world. It's always been here, but now it's celebrated. And, uh, and, and evil is there. And we're looking forward to the day when evil is no longer there. I mean, let's talk about some things here. We, I, I just found out this monkeypox thing is the majority of people who get the monkeypox is because they're involved in, in, in sin. I mean, abortion is the same way. You know, 98% is a choice, and you have the other 2%. And, and the other 2% rape and incest. Is that sin? Someone committed a sin. And so... I mean, I, I was told this a couple months ago. Irresponsibility becomes someone else's responsibility. So if you're irresponsible, someone's got to take care of it. I'm, if I'm doing 110 miles an hour down the road and I wrap my car around the tree, someone's got to take care of me. Even if I die, someone's got to take care of me. Irresponsibility always becomes someone else's responsibility. And I'll be very blunt with you in this, off the subject just a little bit. I think the majority of the issues that we're dealing with now is we've taken away the consequences from a lot of people and they don't know what the consequences are anymore. Thirdly is, we desire for victory to be proclaimed. We always like being on the winning team, don't we? We always like rooting for the winning team, don't we? I mean, I, I mean the Colts at one time was good. And when they were good, everybody was wearing the Colts as a... Shirts, you know, and, and and you got the Browns too, and anyway, you got the Browns, and and, and people like uh, rooting for the winning team. And I remember the year that the the Bears played the Patriots. And this is when I was in, in college. So you, you younger people don't know this story, but but the Bears were undefeated. You had the Super Bowl shuffle, you know, you had all this going on. And, and, uh, and we had uh, we decided we were going to put a big screen TV in, in the student union at my college. We put it in there, and everybody was in there. Everybody was rooting for the, for the Bears to win, because they were supposed to win. But my roommate and I were the only two that rooted for the Patriots. And we rooted for the Patriots because somebody had to. And when they finally got their three points of their field goal, we went... My, Roommate, we just went nuts, screaming and hollering and everything else. Now they got smashed. But notice how many people rooted for them because they wanted to root for the winning team. It may seem like sometimes people that were on a losing team, we are not. We know what the end of the book says. The church will be triumphant. <coughs> Satan will do all he can to destroy the church, but the church of Jesus Christ will always prevail. The last one is, we're fascinated by it because, let's be honest, we don't like the idea of death. Let's be honest, I don't. I mean, I know where I'm going to be when I breathe my last, but I don't like the process. I've never done it before. I've never, I mean, died before. I mean, you don't understand it. And so it's, it's nothing you look forward to. So that's why we're really fascinated by, by the end times. And, we're, we're, and so we're going to spend a couple weeks on this. This just isn't going to be this Sunday. It's going to be a couple weeks on this. And so the question raises is, when is Jesus coming back? 
Do we know when he's coming back? Well, first of all, let's get, get away from my notes. If anyone tells you the date that Jesus is coming back at this time, you are not to listen to them. Because Jesus is very, very specific when he says, no one knows the day nor the hour. However, with that said, I want to show you something. And I didn't realize this until, until I was doing some, uh, so just some research. Go to Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to start at verse 32, and then we're going to go back to verse 4. I just wanted to point this out. Because Jesus gets done explaining what the end times are going to be like. And then he makes this comment. He says, from the fig tree learn. And so he gave a little lesson before uh, Matthew 24 about the fig tree. He says, as soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you farmers understand this. You understand that when the, the corn starts to turn color, you know you better get that, that combine ready or, that, or the corn picker ready. You know that when the, the, the beans start to turn their leaves, you, you better get that combine ready as well because you know the time is, is getting near for the harvest. And so that's what he's saying. He says, when, you, when the leaves become tender, you know that summer is near. You know these are the signs of what's going to happen. So also when you see all, underline that word all. All, not part, all. All, all, all of these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. So when Jesus is saying, he gives this whole list of things that are going to happen. But he says, when all of them, not part of them, all come about. Then, the end is near. So you got that? So let's go back to verse 4. Come on. There we go. Oh, too fast. This is what Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered him, because the disciples just got done asking, when's the end coming? You know, see that no one leads you astray. Got that? See that no one leads you astray. There are a lot of people out there making a lot of money on this issue. And if you don't believe me, come in my office. I'll bring out a folder that I keep that is filled with stuff about predictions when Jesus is coming back. Okay? A lot of people make a lot of money on this. So many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. Now that's happened since day one. And, and it will continue to happen. There are those, even today, who think that they are Jesus. And they're in the world. Okay? You will hear wars and rumors of wars. Since, I, uh, since I've been alive, here are the wars that I have lived through. Vietnam, Grenada, Panama, the first Gulf War, the second Gulf War, we forgot about Bosnia, uh, and I know there's a couple other conflicts that are in there. Uh, Afghanistan's part of that as well. Um, and so we had all these wars that had come about. Now that is, now we still have, believe it or not, we still have a World War II veteran in the church. He comes to the first service. So he's lived through World War II, and he's also lived through the Korean War as well. Wars will always happen. But it seems like every time there's a new war, books start coming out saying, this is the one. This is the one. I guarantee that if you were to have some sermons... 
from 1942, 43, 44, they were all saying that Jesus, or that uh, Hitler was the Antichrist. Now he was an he was an Antichrist, but not the Antichrist. Got that? I'll explain that a little bit later. Okay. So see that you're not alarmed. There's always been wars. For this must take place, but the end is not. <clears throat> For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. So San Francisco is going to have an earthquake. Washington, D.C. is going to have an earthquake. It's going to happen. How many of you lived through an earthquake? Been through one? You have? You have? Anybody else? I was in Jamaica one time. And we were doing a mission trip one time in Jamaica. And I was sitting next to my mom. She came with us. And for a split second, she was taller than me. What? What? What happened? And then you heard the rumble. Uh, Polly and I, the first earthquake we ever uh, experienced was in Ecuador. And, and uh, like at 2 in the morning, you heard the dogs really, and then all of a sudden they got really quiet, and then, whoo, just like it happened with the tornadoes in Salina. The birds were going nuts. Every day the tornadoes went through, the, the, tornado, uh, the birds were going nuts, and all of a sudden they got really quiet. You're always going to have them. You're going to have the Hurricane Hugo's and Katrina's. It's going to happen. All right. All these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Notice it says beginning of the birth pains. He's saying it's going to happen. Now, I never gave birth. <laughs> Regardless of what the media says, men cannot have babies. Amen. Oh, you got that? All right. And I, after I saw what my wife went through, I'm thankful <laughs> that men cannot have babies. So, but I do know that each one of my kids had to be helped. All right? Every one of them. Put the Pitocin in. Da, 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 da. So we'd, we'd go in every morning, every time, started like at 6 or 7 in the morning, and then all the kids were born between 6 and 7 at night. So Polly went through 12 hours of labor, each one of them. So she can actually be one of those gals that stands up and says, I'm getting married to you after 12 hours of labor. Okay, so... <laughs> So you know when it starts, the labor starts, the contractions, and, but it's not as intense, and then eventually gets more and more and more and more and more, more until, boom, the baby's born. Okay, so that's what he's saying. He's saying all these things are nothing more than the birth pains. It is what's going to happen, and I believe, and it's my opinion, that it's going to become more and more frequent. Now, uh, well, okay, I'll stop there. I didn't want to, I got another thought, but it would be more confusing to explain. All right. Then they will deliver you up to the tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my sake. And they and many will fall away and betray one another with hatred. Okay? Um, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be will increase. Are we seeing lawlessness increase? No comment. And and the love of many will grow cold. That type of love he's talking about here is commitment love, agape love, commitment. Commitment says, I'm going to stay with you, you regardless. Okay, that's a commitment love. Not a phileo, not an eros, but a commitment type of love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
Okay, so let's look at some of them. Jesus promises that we're going to be able to look at some of the signs. Some of the signs are going to, are going to be approaching, but these signs are just, they're going to happen throughout history. So if another Gulf War happens, he's kind of saying, don't get excited about it. You know, it's going to happen. Another Hurricane Hugo or Katrina happens, it's going to happen. Okay? Those are just some things that are going to happen. Now, he says, here are the uh, six main events that we should know that just going to happen throughout the world. There's going to be a great persecution against the church. Okay, and I'm going to show this to you in a minute. Uh, there's going to be a great apostasy, meaning people are going to leave the church. Hear that. People are going to leave the church. Many false prophets. Wickedness will increase. We are in a society right now that celebrates evil and does not celebrate righteousness. Love will grow cold. People will not be committed to one another anymore. The gospel will be preached to the whole world. Did I say that up here? Or did I miss one? And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world and the testimony of all the nations, and then the end will come. So the gospel will be preached to the whole world. How is that going to happen? Do you remember last week when I said, when 9-11 happened, Billy Graham gave the gospel to one billion people at the National Cathedral in the United States during the <coughs> National Memorial. They are estimating that one billion people heard that message. Wow. How is the gospel going to be preached to the whole world? You got it right here. You got it right here. It's the internet. It's, it's I mean... The governments that are trying to close religion down are having a hard time because of the internet and everything else. Um, YouTube, Facebook, all this, the gospel is going to preach. Now, we're not there yet because there's still people who haven't, haven't heard the gospel. But there's, it, I mean, it says the whole world, the gospel will be preached. I want to show you something. I want to go back to the, the persecution of the church, great apostasy, and many false prophets. Okay, I want to show you this. Um, I was really curious, and what this is is this is the, this this was taken in 2018. It's a survey of religion throughout the world amongst Christians, and it's saying <clears throat> how important is religion is Christianity to you? Hear me, this is 2018. This is pre-pandemic. This is very important. I say that pre-pandemic. In the United States, 68% of Americans say religion is important to them. Um, Ethiopia, 98%. Ghana, 89%. Nigeria, 82%. Uh, Australia, 20, only 27%. Notice in the Western countries of Europe, where Christianity was strong for centuries and millennia. Denmark, 9%. Britain, 11%. Germany, 12%. I mean, and it just goes right down. How important? Um, then it goes into church attendance. Once again, hear me. This is pre-pandemic. Okay? 36% uh, of Americans believe church attendance is, is important. Okay? And go to Western Europe again, 
7% Norway, 8% UK, Germany, 10% France. I mean, it just, it just, it, it, it plummets. Now, this is America as a whole. You go to Mercer County and it's going to be higher. Church attendance is important. You go to Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, and it's pretty dismal out there. Matter of fact, the church is looked upon in disdain out there. All right. What I find fascinating is you get to Ethiopia and Uganda. 82% of Christians attend church on a regular basis in those countries. Notice the richer countries are the ones where the attendance is lower, where the, the poorer countries is where it's higher. Once again, this is pre-pandemic. It has greatly changed since the pandemic. Most churches have seen a 20 to 30 percent reduction in church attendance since the pandemic. Now, the smaller churches, let's say I'm talking about 50 and below, they're a much higher percentage. But the higher you get, the bigger the churches get, the greater the percentage that has not come back. That that is something we need to. Get in our understanding. There's, there's a lot of people on the fringes that have left. There's a lot of reasons behind it. My opinion is, is they stopped coming and then they realized that God didn't smite them. And they said, well, I guess I'm just going to keep not going because God's not going to smite me. That's one. Another one is they allow the world to come in and take over. And that's another reason. And other things fill the void. But I found it very fascinating. Now, on that same article I got this from, Islam is much higher in percentage. But those who say it's important and those who attend a, a religious service by Islam. And so we, what we have are, we see some of the signs of it, great persecution of the church, great apostles falling away, many false prophets, witness will increase, love will grow cold, the gospel will increase, and so we see some of the signs. However, there's a major one that has not happened yet. Verse 15. Verse 15. When you see the abomination of desolation, Spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand. So Jesus is saying there's a major event that must happen. Anybody know what it is? When you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place. What is it? The temple. The temple. There must be a holy place. The temple needs to be rebuilt. Is the temple rebuilt? No. Are there plans? I'm hearing there's plans. I'm hearing, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this stuff, but I haven't seen it myself. I think, this is my opinion, that's the key. That's the key. Now, who's the abomination of desolation? Well, let me get over here. The abomination of desolation. 
Abomination is something that is considered disgust that causes disgust or hatred. Desolation is a state of complete emptiness or destruction. Someone will go into the temple and they will sit themselves on the throne and cause people to worship him. Who is that person? Some people think it's the Antichrist. Some people think it's the beast. But there will be a person that will go in and they will cause the world to worship him. Now, has that happened before? Yes. There has been abomination and desolation that has gone into the temple and has set themselves down and they have uh, sacrificed pigs and stuff like that in the temple. It, it happened uh, around the time of Paul and John. But that was not the abomination of desolation. And that's the key I want to bring out here. Uh, there has been some abomination of desolations, but not the abomination of desolation. There has been some Antichrist, but not the Antichrist. For example, was Hitler an Antichrist? Yes. Was he the Antichrist? No. You know the difference? You understand. There are people who have some of the marks of that, but they are not the. However, uh, there are those who, but it's not the one that we are looking for. Okay, got that? So whenever you see the abomination desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the whole place, now you better take note. Now you better take note. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, and never will be. Notice what it says? Then it will happen. Pay attention to that. Got too many clippers up there. Okay. So we're going to. So the rest of the story is next week. Told you there's no way I can get through all this. But I want us to understand. I want to conclude with this a very important statement that Jesus made. Let me get to, I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. It's a parable that Jesus gave. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels and in their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was made. So these virgins were getting all ready for a wedding, and they brought lamps, and they had oil for their lamps, they went to sleep and the lamps were burned. And what happens when the oil, when the lamps burn? They run out of oil. Okay? While the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and slept. At midnight was made, a cry was made, Behold the bridegroom cometh. Come out and meet him. Then all those, oh, 
And all those, I have to go this route, um, all those who had extra oil with them were able to light their lamps and to go and be brighter. Five did not have oil to replenish them. They were not prepared and they were not able to go to the bridegroom. They finally went and they bought some oil, came back, and knocked at the door of the wedding reception and said, let us in. And the bridegroom said, depart from me, I never knew you. And what he's saying, Jesus is saying is, you always need to be ready. That's why I'm a pan-tripper. Even though I hold to post-tribulation rapture, I'm a pan-tripper. Because I do not know the day nor the hour that I'm going to see Jesus. I do not know. And I do not know I can be wrong. And it might be pre-tribulation. I don't know the day nor the hour that he's coming. I always need to be ready. And that's the same thing with you. You always need to be ready. Because you don't know the day nor the hour that you're going to go to be with Jesus or that he's going to come and be with you. So, we're at the first half of this. Next week, we're going to complete the second half. And we might spend a couple more weeks in this as well. But the key is this. You always need to be ready. Because you don't know the day nor the hour. Because everybody, everybody will stand in the presence of Jesus. But not everyone will be allowed in. Let's pray. Father, we talked about a lot of stuff today. And uh, Father, I just pray that uh, we will be serious about our relationship with you. I pray for those here. I pray, Lord, that you will touch them. I pray that, Lord, that you'll help them to grow in you, that they can have the confidence in knowing that they are with you. May it be so, so Lord. Guide and direct us. May your blessing be upon us. We thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, we want to let you know that the altar is going to be open for anyone who would like to have prayer. For whatever reason, you're welcome to come and to pray this morning. And the elders will be here to pray with you.